0: the wand, a
1: Ooh. puff of smoke, and the magic man one
2: out of the hat. I still can't believe it happened. Welcome to the Mirror's Magic Podcast, where the magic happens. I'm Selby. With me is Xavier Ellis. How are you, Xavier? Mate,
0: you've dragged me back again. Of, uh, jeez, I tell you what, I go to work at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, what night was it you had me last week? Thursday. Oh, Thursday. Thursday, yeah. Thursday, Thursday. So, uh... Mate, you know, Rick and I was absolutely knackered at work when we watched the tennis till about half 11 or whatever with a few stubbies. But you dragged me back, so the season guide's out. We're done.
2: Oh, not out just yet. Not out just yet. We're about a week away, so I finished all the profiles. Yeah. Which, is,
0: which is the 99% of...
2: That's the brunt work. Yeah. Now just a bit of fine-tuning, making sure everything works right. The field has a few little features on yeah. top. But I did promise you that the next podcast was going to be part of the season guide package. Yeah. So I did lie to you. It's a lie. And you're set the date mate,
0: set the date, you remind me of McGowan, set a date
2: At least it's definitely going to be <laughs> yeah. sometime in Feb, which I don't doubt McGowan's going to be sometime in Feb So, thought we'd just have a little bonus one yeah. today, another bonus one As you know, we're uh, looking to expand this year and doing some Supercoach stuff as well as yeah. uh, fantasy side. I love Supercoach well, I'll just look back at the stats, you were more of a, in terms of your scores I think your supercoach scores are far outweigh your fans. Yeah. You must have had a bit of efficiency. Made inside
0: 50s, clearances. Gilbred a buddy. Yeah, 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 Uncontested you know, possessions. No, cont- you get more for contested. <laughs> you're in there doing the grunt work. Uh, no, no, I was, I was hopeless at all of them. Getting subbed out 15 times didn't help either. At three-quarter time or injured earlier. Yeah, that, that hurts, hurts your, the averages, uh, that mate. That's no good for anyone. Not that I ever averaged anything.
2: <laughs> but no, because so obviously supercoach uh, super yeah. is big in Melbourne. And that's yeah. why you obviously in Melbourne, Granby grew up there, did you? The boys yeah. All did. It was over here in WA, it's not as big. no. Nah. And they, so there's more people. I think there's over 200,000. At one point, there's 200,000 who mm. played Supercoach. Have you ever done Supercoach? 130. Dabbled it a couple of times. Yeah. More. I was all over here. What your friends played fantasy. So I was always a fantasy man. where'd you
0: finish the one year you did Supercoach?
2: Uh, well, I've said this before, but I, there was a year there where my well, fantasy was my main one or Dream Team. I think it was at the Dream time. Team.
0: Yeah.
2: What I used to do with my Supercoach team is I'd pick players who I wanted in my fantasy team but couldn't. Couldn't quite get him in. So it was almost on yeah. like the rejects side of my, my fancy side. So put a team in, threw it in, after round one, second overall. I thought, oh, yeah. shit, here we go. So then I took a bit of attention and spent all time on that all year. I think mm. I might have finished with a, a 14th or 15th in the end. 14th to 200,000.
0: No, not bad, mate. I'm anyway, bad. But, I'm, Sorry, but It's not about you.
2: But that was a, not, not about me. I'm by no means an expert. Like that's a, That was a no. one-off. I've got to look back at some of the other history where I was, was well-off. And what we try to do here is – when we do give our advice, we pride ourselves in. We try to get the best in the business. We've got yeah. the long sub gun stats person doing that. Numbers. Draft man, our, our draft guru Kids. doing our draftees. Yeah. You like to think yourself a bit of an expert. When you expert commentary, I see you on Charles Severs, well, you're up there giving expert comments. But yeah, when it Zach comes Jones, to, to Supercoach, I'm not going to be the one giving the advice. It's going to be a separate toggle on the website. If you don't want to know about Supercoach, you press the toggle, you never need to see it. Yeah. You can dabble between the two fancy super coach, get my comments for fancy, but come super coach, I've gone out, hunted down the best super coach of all time, I'm mm-hmm. going to say. Yeah. Two top 10 finishes the last two years, only person ever to do that. Tommy, no, his name is. Speaks for itself, Tommy. So I've got him on board. He's going to provide basically what I do for the fancy side, but for the supercoach with this little toggle, you'll be listing all Tommy's thoughts. Beautiful. And learn off them. So you'll leave us till you'll be sitting out, but maybe throughout the well, year I'm you'll, out. Be, you'll be popping in. Yeah, I might even do a
0: supercoach team this year too. Yeah.
2: See if be shit at that one too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. All right, cheers, Dave.
1: And Tommy, welcome to the podcast, Tom, and welcome to the team. Thanks very much, Selby. Um I'm not sure the best supercoacher of all time is an accurate title, but I've certainly had some success over the last couple of years. Well, Uh, mate, I'm just going off
2: Supercoach Data, He's a really good man to follow if you don't already, at Supercoach Data, and he runs his Hall of Fame based off performances since 2019 and gives you a certain ranking or points based off your performances. And given, well, you've you've got two top 10 finishes the last two years, fifth in 2020, seventh in 2021, only person to do that chuck it another top 2000 finish in 2019 and that leaves you a long way ahead of ahead of the rest so uh, happy to for you to talk yourself down normally i do that on the other mirror's magic podcast where xavier's normally pumping me up and you get a bit flustered but i think that the data proves that you're you're the number one man at least at the minute
1: yeah thanks mate um look i've, I've probably uh, over the last couple of years been able to really cement a, a solid strategy that's worked for me and I think uh, that's probably taken me a fair way. Uh, really getting that starting side strong, and, and really being informed by what works, and I was able to replicate it. So um, I'm pretty confident to say that that I've, I've found something that's good. And hoping to to share that wisdom with some of the listeners from the fantasy side that, that you've uh, been obviously, I guess, coaching to some pretty good success over the last couple of years. So yeah, looking well, forward then- to it.
2: Old supercoach comes and throws a curveball and changes a few of the rules just to keep you on your toes. But what I find impressive, Tom, what, about your record, last thing I'll really pump you up. But what I've always found interesting, we have this debate, and a lot about today, we'll be talking about the different platforms, fancy versus supercoach and vice versa, and, and what the different metrics and, and statistics are. But in terms of supercoach, looking at another guy to follow on Twitter at the made guy. He puts up rankings from prior winners of Supercoach and in 2020, he put up the 2019 winner. In 2020, was ranked eight and a half thousandth. 2014 winner was fourteen and a half thousand. 2013 seven thousandth. 2012 winner 10,000, 2011 winner was twenty thousandth overall. And then last year, 2021 the winner of 2020 came about 1500 then it was 10,000 10,000 27,000 8,000 9,000 34,000 14,000 like these guys are and the way he says it, he says it must be a hard climb to mount everest because either that or you're way down by the 50k on their back that they lose a bit of interest but <laughs> to me it looks as if who knows it's not it's a hard thing to do to to replicate and win whereas if you look at fantasy there's four people Harms is heroes, statesman, Johnny Harms, another good coach, and, and myself, Marilla's Magic, where we've got two top ten finishes in the last four or five years. There's a lot more consistency in terms of the good coaches. And I've just been trying to think why that is without opening up the debate, which game's easier, which one's are worse, which one's fake numbers, which one isn't. So I know that people on Twitter love having that little debate. So in terms of the different rules, obviously AFL fancy has been running a two trades per week, use or lose, for the last six or seven years so you don't have to be as strategic about saving up your trades when you do get onto a system you can start replicating that again whereas the limited trades in supercoach you might need a lot more luck because if you get these injuries late in the year you're stuck with them is that
1: probably true yeah certainly i I think that's definitely a factor when you when you trade limited there's only so much uh, margin for error that's going to be there and i guess part of my strategy is potentially making your own luck i think when you're picking your side you really want to do uh, you really want to look at those players that are going to be one durable two are really going to work out and meet that criteria as part of i guess the strategy that i sort of implement so that can be things like making sure that the players that you're selecting in your starting side are really going to end up in end of team players so those that are going to be in the top eight top six of their line or they're going to make you enough cash to generate those. Because you've got limited trades, you really need to be making sure that those picks hit the mark. If you don't, there isn't that margin of an You can't trade in, you can't trade out. And that'll leave you behind the eight ball. I think particularly last season, I came from the clouds, sort of worked my way up slowly. And because I'd sort of put that strong, solid team in at the start, that allowed me to climb those ranks late where where everyone else was running out of trades. I still had some in the bank because I didn't need to use them. Uh, and, and it really sort of emphasizes the need to be really informed in that starting side.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So that was the old school philosophy of of fancy as well when they used to have the limited trades. And even when the unlimited trades came in, people still stuck with that thing of, okay, who are going to be the best defenders, mids, forwards? We've got to start with them. doesn't matter what they cost, bang, 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 plug, and then we'll fill the rest of the side with rookies, eventually work them up and get this... Best twenty two. But what you find with two trades per week, it's a lot of trades. Over the twenty three weeks you get yourself forty six trades. That you can afford not to get those top guys, get people to perform around that mark. They'll go up in price and then you can it's a there's a quicker way to get yourself to that full team of twenty two keepers as such and, and that's what I've Enjoyed about the fancy landscape. It's interesting, like I'm reading a lot of your comments in Supercoach, and it, it is that where you've got to pick your, because you have got the limited trades, pick those core guys up the top, and then uh, it's, it takes more of a risk. Because if you say in fancy last year, a lot of the starting squads, including the winner, started with a Tommy Phillips, a DeGoey who had that poor start, a Jordan Clark. There might have even been a Paddy Dowell in there, but you can afford to take that risk because if they're no good come round two or three, you can you you've got two trades, what else are you going to use them on? You can get rid of them. Whereas, yeah, Supercoach, yeah. you have to be a lot more confident that that player is going to either, as you said, generate the cash to then upgrade later on this season or be in the side the rest of the year and, and not have to waste a trade on them.
1: Yeah, and I think even considering the way Supercoach works, that if, if you were going to pick a, a starting side that was similar to my structure you wouldn't be able to use the trades because you you haven't uh, allowed for those players to, you haven't got those sort of mid prices and those ones that are going to make those smaller gains to, to appreciate to to make those full use of the two trades per week. Yeah. So you're big on keeping your trades. Yeah. Last two years, I haven't, uh, I've been fortunate to nail my rookies. So I haven't used any trades in those first two rounds. So that's probably a a strong rule of mine. You really want to hold those. And that's about getting those starting selections, right?
2: Good. So with, Amy, we've got the season guide, which will come out shortly. Goes through your starting squad's profiles on every single player, 780. And I'm, I'm finally glad someone else can feel what it takes to write down a covet on all of these players. I think I messaged you before saying... Mate, how have you finished these? You'd already finished by this time without going mad. And your reply was, who said I didn't go mad? (laughs) It was
1: certainly a struggle. Uh, I I wasn't even aware there was 700 plus players in the AFL when I first started. So it's it's obviously there's a lot of players to consider. And I think when you you go through it, there's uh, quite a lot that you probably wouldn't think about uh, as being relevant to to fantasy. But uh, every player has their positive, every player has their negative. So, yeah, I think... Going through it, you can really analyze, and and hopefully I've been able to share some of those points and make it easier uh, on on the people that do access the the season guide, form their decisions, and and not go through some of the pain that we've had to. Selby,
2: nah, exactly, and while oh, I myself have really enjoyed reading your commentary about players and pick up a little things about your strategy in in the player profiles themselves. And but if you don't have the time, so the way we write it, we. Profiles in every player, and then we categorise each player up to three icons, whether they're, you think they're definitely going to be, we mentioned the top in each position, like a lock for the best 22 at the end of the year. They're a chance. They're like a real sneaky chance or a mad chance. They're not going to be the best 22, so yeah, they might be good, but they're not going to be good enough to be a keeper. If they're going to be a breakout candidate, if they're injury-prone, consistent, inconsistent, role players, taggers, key position players, we ha- have all these different categories on them, which then means that you can then filter for them. So say, okay, you've got your 780. I haven't got the time to read through all of them. Actually, more so for fantasy-wise, but even say super, because say role players. Well, I don't want a role player on my team tag as back pockets. Let's filter them out. Let's filter out the injured players, filter out the inconsistent ones, injury-prone, and you might be left with a nice sweet spot of 150 relevant players. So you hunt in and look at all these stats, which we're lucky to have... data scientist, the Wongster we like to call her, who's produced some pretty nice uh, stats which and scenarios and help you project what you think someone's going to score this year and how they, that's going to impact their price. So really excited to bring this to the Supercoach community. Even myself, reading some of your profiles, as I said, I'm, I'm excited to get stuck in. During the season, we start the in-season program. We'll be able to see what trades you've done in the past and whether you have traded or not. So when you're trying to – I like to call it my blueprint when I always go back to what's worked in the past. we can be like, okay, well – I'd love to trade this guy. He's been underperforming, but look at Tom's two top ten finishes. He didn't use a trade this round. Maybe it's best to stay, stay patient, save him for late. So I'm excited to learn a bit off you in that regard. We're just going on the difference between fantasy and, and supercoach. The other reason why I think there might be more consistency in the, the fantasy landscape in, in amongst those top coaches is that the price changes move from game one so it rewards those early movers. If you find a good pick or someone who you really like and you jump on them and they perform well round one or their first game, they'll go up in price. So if someone wants to follow and jump on board and, and jump on the coattails and, and make the money through them, they have to pay a premium price plus miss out on that early score initially and you're all of a sudden ahead of the comp and you're ahead of the game. You can It takes a few of those little trades to do and then you can – go off on a run, whereas in Supercoach, obviously it's a three-game rolling average and they only start moving after a player's played three games. So what I think could happen is that after three games, a lot of people would end up with a similar side, which makes it harder for those good coaches to differentiate themselves and, and go away from there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think uh, that certainly limits that difference, I think, in the, in the teams. And I think when you look at the the final teams, there isn't many point of differences by the time you get there, especially at the pointy end in that sort of top top 20, top 50 range.
2: Couple more, just run through the other differences, which will be interesting for me to learn off you and what, what we kind of use. And this one is a new change of supercoach with those DPPs. In AFL Fantasy for the last few years, if round six, round 12, and round 18, a player can be given another position eligibility and you can then switch them on the field. Whereas last year, say in supercoach Jack Zebel, who was a defender, had forward status, he remained forward only for the full season. And the, the implications of that in a fancy point of view. You mentioned you've got to pick the best performers of each position and you're starting a squad trying to pick those best players or if that is your strategy, pick the best players. Then, say, Scott Penery plays half-back this year and gets defender status. all of a sudden, he becomes the top defender and Bont plays forward a bit more, gets forward or five year, whether it is, and that really adds another element. So, it's it's harder to predict. Just a couple more little differences. Obviously, I, I think that fantasy, the scoring's easy to predict in terms of the good midfielders always get their 30 touches... Forwards always get their two or three goals, whatever it is. But in terms of efficiencies and contested possession rates and all these different forms which go into that Super Coach score, it's hard. And not to mention the scaling which comes over the top two, it might be harder to predict, which again, I think all that stuff combined might make Supercoach harder to be consistently good at. And you mentioned that you, you don't think you're the best of all time. That's what the stats say that you're the only one, two top ten finishers in the last five years. All right. So before that, we. Keep harp on those five years. Have you been playing Supercoach for for a long time before then?
1: Yeah, I I was a a dream teamer in the mid-2000s when that first came out. And as a kid, I loved opening up the Herald Sun and and looking at the uh, champion data stats, sort of seeing how that ranked players from a certain game. And so when Supercoach came out using those those metrics, uh, it was a pretty quick straight jump across. And uh, to be honest, I wasn't very good at the start. Lots of very poor finishes. Uh, I, I hadn't really come up with a strategy so up and down the whole way through i think i had a a, a 277 finish probably about four or five years ago where i i I landed on a similar strategy to the one i I use now but i didn't follow that up i I was in the top i think one percent still but was a little bit off the mark the last couple years and then coming into to 2020 that's sort of when i said nut not, don't deviate from what you know works because you know it works. I think I've fallen into a trap before where I might think I'm, smart, I'm smarter than I am. So I'll pick a few different extra breakout players and one or two doesn't go your way and then you're off the mark and you're scrambling to chase up. So yeah, it's taken a lot of trial and error. A lot of research and yeah, I think the last couple of years, it's sort of really uh, drilled home to me what, what works and yeah, a lot of, lot of failure, I guess, if, if you don't win, you learn and um, I've spent a lot of time failing uh, in the early years of supercoach to really come up with that strategy that's sort of helped me over the last couple of years.
2: You mentioned time spent. I know you get married later on this year. How does that go? How much time is normally spent on your supercoach research and how does that always go with the other half?
1: Uh, I think an appropriate amount of time, but she probably has a different um, theory on what appropriate means. I, I do spend a lot, like a, a good, you know, five, six, seven hours during the week, really having a look at the uh, what players might be worth trading in, fixtures upcoming, what those projections might look like. And I think research is probably the number one thing that's going to set, set you apart from someone that just watches a lot of footy. You've got to really nail down into that strategy. So, look, I, I love Supercoach. It's probably one of the thing that I love almost more than footy. I, I'll, I'll probably spend too much time looking at the stats instead of the screen. But you've got to spend that time. And, look, everyone not everyone's that uh, fortunate to have that time. So, hopefully, me doing this uh, this preparation um, and this research can help uh, others and, and save some of their time so their partners aren't as ticked off as mine is. On that, you've
2: kind of touched on some of your little strategies. Obviously, we'll be keep any more and more little sound bites as, as the preseason goes on. But just a couple of overarching rules. You you mentioned you like to save your trades, particularly those first two weeks. You wouldn't sideways trade a premium just because they've had a few poor performances and you're big on picking those guys who are the best because yes, it's all good and well picking these breakouts, but we see it every year. There's only one or two which pay off and if if they don't, you are stuck with them like we saw with a whether it was a Tom Phillips, Paddy Dow, degoy early, Hayden Young last year and you, you spend midway through the year still trying to get these players out of your side.
1: Yeah, and and with that, look, you don't you don't have to have the most perfect team to finish top 10 or, or finish uh, first. Last year I started with Jordan Clark, miserable failure. I started with Paddy Dow, another massive failure, and they stayed in my team for a, a lot longer than I would have liked. So you don't have to have the perfect team, but really sort of using those guides about what – Work So looking at those players that you are really confident that are going to finish in the top of their line, that's, that's, that's number one. You don't want to, I started to Toronto as well. You don't want to be holding someone that's going to be sitting around the hundred mark for the whole season. Cause they're going to limit that, that scope for the the ceiling. Like if I look back, I could have gone Patty Dow down to a rookie Toronto up to a premium. And who knows that might've put $50,000 in my pocket. So you don't have to get it all right, but you're minimizing the risk. Uh, is really, really key, I think, especially with the limited trades. Looking forward to this year, I think, with the extra five. Yes, let's cover up. Help. So
2: Supercoach Open, and yep. they made a few announcements, I dare say, on the back of what we're looking, what we've seen, the big bash, NBA, soccer overseas, women's AFL, as we as we know, with the fantasy there, these implications with the COVID rules. So that, there's been a few changes to the rules. You just want to run through those and, and what do you think they mean.
1: Yeah, so look, we're up from 30 trades on the season to 35. That's a pretty significant difference. But when we look at, I guess, the last two years, I think 2020, uh, we will granted another seven. So we had 37 all up. We certainly used all those with the, the festival of footy. Um, and then I think last year we had 32. I might be wrong on that, but we, we had a, a little bit of a bump and that helped. But at the same time, when, you, when you're dealing with the COVID, the potential COVID outs that we're going to face, that we're seeing all around the world, 35, that extra five probably doesn't, for me, uh, initially, I don't think it's going to have a significant impact on on the strategy. Uh, I think really wanting to save those because who knows, you, you get a, a an outbreak through a team, you could lose two premiums uh, and you're going to need those. And you're back to square one in terms of what that upgrade cycle looks like to get full premium by the end of the year or around the buys, ideally. Um, I think probably the the big factor, and and what's depending on how people use it, is going to be the five boosts. So typically, we're last year we're we're being restricted to two trades per week throughout the normal season, three trades per week during the buys. Uh, they've brought in five boosts, so you can use any five trades on one per round if you wanted to to bring in and lift that two trades per round to a three trades per round. Um, I think that's probably going to have the biggest impact because. For me, what I'm thinking initially is you're going to be able to make those aggressive moves early when the time's right. So in previous times, if you are got two rookies, you're looking at doing one down, one up, that might get you to sort of that Andy Brayshaw level uh, midfielder. But you're really eyeing off Clayton Oliver, who's a little bit more expensive. So to make up those last positions in your midfield you'll be able to go two down one up and in previous times you might be doing two down in one week and then one up the next so you can really expedite that that upgrade process and I think using those really strategically when the time is right is going to set people apart uh, you don't want to I don't think I'm going to use those, hold off and, and, and use them for the, the laid outs, um, some. But I think using them to set yourself apart and get those extra premiums, the, the, those real elite premiums, is going to be a real difference this year.
2: Well, I'm a Freo supporter, so I'm hoping that Brayshaw gets to an Oliver level this year. You won't have to worry about that extra cash. But in terms of those trades, in 2020 for AFL fancy, we were given three trades per week after, I think, round about around four or five. But it did favour those who were more aggressive, and I find myself looking back at ranks in the past. It was those buy rounds where I really made my move, and that's a period where you did get the three trades. Where you can do moves like yeah, two down, one up, uh, even sometimes one down, two up from two middies up to a double premium upgrade. And it'll be interesting to see hearing your th- trade thoughts throughout the year and, and how you think you're going to use them, because that's the one thing which does sort of deter from your blueprint.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and look, we we only found out about these a couple of days ago, so things might change. I think if, if who knows, this wave from COVID goes away, we might get a, a pretty fortunate spell, and that's where being aggressive is going to be really helpful. Who knows, we we might get absolutely slammed the first few rounds of the year, and you've already used them. So, yeah, it's probably a, a play-by-year, but it certainly brings a really, uh, another wrinkle to the game, and I think it's going to uh, at least potentially end up creating different teams along the board. There's probably going to be a little bit more variance uh, in the strategy that people are using up the pointy end, I think.
2: And then the other big change you've taken on what the fantasy do, which is the, those DPPs round 6, 12, 18, is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, round 6, 12 and 18. So I think it's the exact same blueprint that's come across from fantasy, which is something that a lot of people have been screaming out for. I, for one, think it's probably a, a well overdue. Uh, I think having Zeebel in your forward line, we're playing super coach. When he's a defender, um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I think that's going to be really good in in, in the way that people are able to structure up their sides. Um, I think last year I had a look at the the fantasy changes. I think you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, in round six we gained, uh, you guys gained Josh Kelly, Nut Five, Sean Darcy as forwards. Yeah, was that the case? Yeah. And look, that that would have been absolutely huge. Forwards typically the weakest line. If you could pull a, a Josh Kelly and a Sean Darcy into your forward line, if you were able to bring those in. That, that's massive and I think uh, that's something really exciting for the game because it, it's probably needed some, some changes throughout the year and I'm really looking forward to how that sort of works into the strategy. Do you leave spaces open for those types of players that might become available?
2: With these DPPs, it's big for draft. I'm not a big drafter, but I know that when it comes to draft, particularly when you're looking late in the round, you can kind of predict who might get those DPPs. So you might pick up, say, a Nat Five. As a midfielder, he might be ranked, say, the 20th midfielder, but if he was a forward, he'd be a top three forward, so you'd, you'd pick him up a little bit earlier, bump him up your rankings in the hope that he gets that dual position. But in terms of season-long and classic, where it, you mentioned towards the end of the year, and they come at good times, particularly that round 18 one, when lots of the teams at the top are all very similar, then we get thrown a brand new list of players, and it's like, OK, well, what do I do here? Do I get these new DPP players? Do I stick with the old? And it... It creates a bit more volatility and and keeps you on your toes. It's You've got to keep yeah, guessing and do you leave a spot open for it or do you jump ahead and, and think they can move and, and flick around the ground. So I like it. I like the change. I think from an outside of point of view, not that I've been a, a big supercoacher for the last couple of years, but I think those changes are going to be great and well-received and particularly even that reversing during the round, I think that's also much needed and, and provides that flexibility. So I'm excited to see how it all plays out. And We'll wrap this up almost for, for today. It was more just an intro to you to the platform, to fancy guys to supercoach or supercoach guys to Marira's Magic, could be great for the the supercoach
1: game. Yeah, fingers crossed. And I think just having a look at the platform that you've created, some of those tools that you have on the website from the the, the buy planner, um, the price projectors, that's things that aren't readily available to the to the super coach community. So I think there's some real tools that are going to benefit anyone that jumps on board and is able to, to use those and and hopefully use the season guide to uh, improve their starting sides and yeah uh, jump up to the pointy end of the competition and maybe win themselves a track suit
2: yeah track suit two of them you get your third so thank the Wongster for those tools that's a lot of her hard work couple of things we can't leave this without mentioning a few players i know obviously might as well get a few things out there who do you think the highest scoring player is going to be this year in supercoach
1: Splitting hairs for me uh, at the highest too. So I think Jack McRae, he's done it just over four years of just being an absolute elite top liner. When you're analysing the stats and I guess the, the profile of those sort of top four to five midfielders, he just does everything well. He does everything consistently. He has the lowest floor. He doesn't have the highest ceiling, but he just pumps out those consistent 130s, 130 pluses. He's just a reliable captain's option. And I think he's he's going to be the number one midfielder for me. And then the other one that I'm really torn on is, and, and comes with a lot more risk, Sean Darcy. Oh, wow. Um, what, he was, what he was able to do um, through the middle part of last year under duress, clearly injured at times, but his ceiling is something that we really haven't seen before on a consistent basis. I don't think maybe Max Gorn at his absolute best. He's able to just generate generate those scores. Massive, massive scaling that he gets by the way he's able to impact from quarter to quarter. And I think for me, he's, he's right up there and think a 125 plus is, is more than realistic for what he's going to... So you've got be.
2: him number one ruck over Gorn Grundy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Too many question marks on Gorn. I think Grundy can get back to his best, but he hasn't been there for a little bit. And I think Darcy, in terms of where he's come from, he's sort of got that same, like he's still very young really for a big man. He's got that same sort of projection as Max Gorn had in in terms of his development and watching him play. You can just see this guy is a scoring machine. And uh, if he can stay healthy, which is probably the only question mark that you put on him, I think the scores are going to be there for sure.
2: All right, final one for you. Game open this week. Who was the first player you jumped on and, and picked? Was it one of those two you mentioned are going to be the top scorers?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh, actually, it was Took Miller. <laughs> um, so Took, I watched him just burst out all last year and could never afford him, could never get him into my side. He was. The, you watch him play and the things that he does, how hard he runs, contest to contest. He does all the tackles similar to a steel type. So he's, his floor is really low, but he has a bigger ceiling than, say, Emma Cray because he he can do those high possession games and then slap on 12 tackles at the end of it to really pump out those, like, 150 pluses. So he was one that I, I wanted all last year and got a fair bit of joy slapping him in my starting team.
2: Yeah, now he's uh, – because we're obviously not always right at Mirror's Magic and he is one I looked back at the commentary when I was right them for what I did last year. He came from nowhere, that breakout. out. Took Miller, and the year before, he, I think in fantasy sense, he averaged 100 on the dot, which is his best ever season. 100 on the dot after he's been there for seven odd seasons. Back half the year averaged 98 with less CBA, so I was thinking, okay, what's well Anderson there, Rao, young kids coming through, maybe they've moved past Took, you might see him off a half-back flank, half-forward. I think I had him projected to go 85 to 90. He comes out, he's a high-scoring player in a fantasy sense, and I looked a little bit silly, and it is that, so a lot of with the season guide, the stats, the data we give is splits, whether it's first half year, second half year, last five, finals, kick in data, CBA data, how that correlates with their decent scoring. And none of that matched up with Tuk. But what you don't measure and what we can't measure in this is how hard they work. And everyone you hear from the Gold Coast speak about Tuck Miller, like he's the hardest working trainer. And you see the way he plays, imagine him training, getting the best out of himself. And yeah, tip my hat to anyone who picked that breakout. Uh, from took Miller last year, and I, I, I feel you. Yeah, I do the same myself. If I can't get someone the year before, it's start afresh, pick your team fr- from fresh, and it feels good finally having them in your side. Not have to, you can actually watch some Gold Coast games in peace, without having me stressed the whole time, hoping something goes wrong with it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, good Tommy, mate. As I said, honoured to have you on board. We we try to provide the best, and have someone of your caliber in the Super Coach ranks. I'm really excited to chew your ear and, and learn a little bit myself, get Zave on board too. To I've been trying to, a year trying to teach him about fantasy. He still hasn't quite got it, so maybe Supercoach is his game. I know he backs himself in with his efficiency with his own kicking, so maybe uh, he's more of a Supercoach man than a fantasy man. Looking forward to seeing what we can do over the next couple of weeks. And, yeah, keep an eye. We're looking at a, an early Feb, whether it's Feb 5, Feb 6 launch, mirrorsmagic.com.au you'll be able to jump on. Get your guide and then it's all all online from there, whether it's the podcast or the tools. And, yeah, thanks for coming on again and, and thanks for giving us a listen and, and hopefully we can chat to you soon via these podcasts.
1: No, looking forward to it. Thanks, Salby. Cheers, Tommy.